Well, good morning, Canyon Hills, and good morning to each and every one of you who are joining us live online this morning as we just conclude our series called God Cares. My name is Matt, and I do get that privilege of closing out our series this morning, and we're going to be specifically talking about the topic of the sting of death. And what I mean by that is right now, more than ever in our history, we are feeling the presence of death, the reality of death as it is all around us. But the good news is for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we don't have to fear this sting of death because we have one who saves. And we're really going to unpack that this morning as we take a look through scripture to see what God has to say about heaven and about us being in eternity with him. But before we get there, I just want to encourage you, and I just want to invite you to join us in our online communities this morning. We know that there are so many of you who are really hurting at home to have fellowship with one another, to really have community with other people like we used to do when we would attend service in person in our courtyards or in our sanctuary, that body-to-body connection that we would have with people. And even though we know that these digital and these online platforms can't take the place of face-to-face interaction, we still wanted to create an atmosphere this morning and going forward for communication and fellowship to still happen. So what we've done is we've created some live stream hosts of Pastor Alec, Pastor Carlos, and Pastor Sherry that are going to be in our chat rooms on YouTube and Facebook and in our comment sections this morning and for the next couple series. And the goal behind this is we want them to engage with you and you to engage with each other. There's going to be a couple of very specific questions I'm going to ask in the midst of my sermon that I would just love to get your feedback on. And I know it might seem distracting. I know that it might seem out of place, but the whole point behind these questions is to spur on conversation rather than just sitting and listening to really invite you to go deeper and unpacked in your own life, the truths of scripture and what we're talking about. So this morning, I just want to invite you to join in on our online communities, to take that opportunity when you see a question post or when you see people are interacting to respond as well to it as well. And our pastors will join in on those live stream chat rooms as well. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and get started. You know, in 1993, Times Magazine released an issue And in this issue, it had a cover of a hand-drawn picture of Los Angeles with the title, Los Angeles is the city of angels going to hell. Is the city of angels going to hell? It's this very fascinating article if you were really to start reading about it, because it was talking about how the city of the future, the city of angels was just shattered by the protests and the riots that took place in 1992. Now, if you don't remember what happened in 1992, basically there were these four LAPD officers who were acquitted by a trial jury and the use of excessive force and the arrest and the subsequent beating of Rodney King. And as a result of this, the people in Los Angeles started to unite together to go against the injustice that they saw and the verdict of the acquittal of these LAPD officers. And in six different places through LA County, these protests started to rise up. But unfortunately, they took a turn for the worst. They started moving into violence and vandalism. And eventually it led into arson to where Los Angeles found itself on fire. And so the LAPD was dispatched to these different places to help restore the peace in the land. But when they got there, they found that they were outnumbered and outresourced. 
So they had to call in the National Guard and eventually the National Guard elevated it and had the U.S. military come in and clear the streets of L.A. This is in 1992. Does this sound familiar at all to maybe anything that we're experiencing today? Anything that we're watching on TV or we're watching happening in our world? Yeah, it is. But this article was fascinating because they said, now that it's 1993, we as community leaders in Los Angeles, we see the people are, they're gathering together. They're uniting for a cause and for a purpose. And our hope is that this new sense of unity would instill a new community, would allow the economy to blossom and flourish and really allow this so-called city of the future to truly become all that it was supposed to be. But a year later, what they found out was the opposite had happened. There was more pollution. There was more violence. There was more corruption. There was more injustice. There was more vandalism. There was more arsonry and hate crimes. LA had just gotten to a terrible, terrible place. And so in this Times Magazine article, the question was posed, is the city of Los Angeles going to hell? Is there no chance for its salvation at this point? Or are they too far gone? Now, I don't know if Los Angeles is going to hell or not. That's not my place. But it does bring up a good question that each and every one of us should be asking ourselves this morning. And this is the question that I want to pose to you on our live stream this morning. This is the first opportunity for you to engage with our live stream hosts. And so I'm going to ask a question. I just want a simple yes or no. You don't need to describe it. You don't need to give us some deep definition of why you chose one way or the other. A simple yes or no will do. And it could be a vulnerable answer for you, but it's really to spur the conversation to get you thinking. And the question is this, do you know without a doubt in your heart, without a doubt in your mind that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Do you know without a doubt in your heart or a doubt in your mind that you're going to go to heaven when you die? Like I said, there is no right or wrong answer. Yes, no, people can choose to go either way. And I think if we were to really start to look as these responses, as you're all typing it in right now, you're going to see some people say, yes, of course. Some people say, well, I'm not really sure. I hope so. I really am wishing that I will get there. I'm really, I have this desire in my heart that I want to be there. But folks, let me tell you this. Hoping, wishing, wanting, it's not enough. It's not enough. We need to know with absolute certainty if we're going to go to heaven or not when we die. Because the reality is right now, we are dealing with the sting of death more than we ever have before. You know, back in February, when we first started to see this COVID-19 thing forming, it was just this far off story that didn't really affect us personally. We'd see it on the news, read about it in the papers, maybe glance at it in our social media, but it didn't affect us personally. But now that we're in August, studies are showing that almost every single person knows somebody directly related to them or who has direct contact that has either experienced COVID, has been diagnosed with COVID, or has been hospitalized or died as a result of COVID. And this brings the reality of the sting of death because life isn't guaranteed. We don't know what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow. We could contract COVID. We don't know. And so this question is so prevalent for us to answer right here, right now, because tomorrow is not promised to us. Do we know without a doubt in our hearts that we're going to go to heaven when we die? Because death is real, folks. That's the bad news. But you see, the good news is this. Jesus doesn't want us to have doubts. 
God doesn't want us to fear the sting of death. He doesn't want us to be uncertain. In fact, he wants us to be certain. He wants us to know without that doubt that we have the ability to be in heaven with him if we die, if we belong to him, if we belong to him. You see folks, that is the basics of the gospel message. That is the basic truth that God wants to instill in you and me. And that's really what I want to focus on with our time this morning is to really get back to the basics, to unpack how this can be, how we can have confidence that we don't need to fear the sting of death, but we can be assured in the reality of heaven and that God wants us to be in heaven for all of eternity with him. But in order to understand that we have to get to the basics because the basics are so important, but yet we overlook them so often. You know, basics are taught all throughout sports as well. If you take a look in sports history, in the NBA specifically, John Wooden. Most of you know John Wooden, right? John Wooden would never assume that his players knew the basics. So every year at the very beginning of practice, he would start by teaching his players how to put their socks on. And I know for most of us, it's like, that seems ridiculous. We all know how to put our socks on, right? There's just an upside and a downside to it that you can't really mess it up. But in an article, he went on to say, if you take care of your feet, your feet will take care of you. If you put your socks on wrong, and then you go out and you start skidding and sliding across the court, you're going to get bruises. You're going to get blisters on your feet, and it's going to affect your game. And so I never assume that my players know the basics of putting their socks on. In fact, I want to teach them so that way it sets them up for success for the rest of their season. See, folks, the same thing is true in our Christian faith. We need to get back to the basics. We can't just assume these things. We need to know the basics in order to be set up for success, to understand the truth of what God is calling us to. Another example from the NFL is Vince Lombardi, right? Very famous coach. All of us know Vince Lombardi. He would always start his first practices by holding up a football and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. He never assumed that people knew. He would always get back to the basics. So that's what I want to do this morning, folks. If we truly want to understand and have confidence in our heart that we don't have to fear the sting of death, that heaven awaits us, we have to get back to the basics. And I can't think of a more better basic verse in the Bible than John 3.16. It's a verse that all of us have grown up knowing. It's a verse that all of us have probably committed to memory. And if you have, I just invite you to say it out loud at home with me. Or if you haven't, to read it on the screen. It says this, for God so loved the world. For those of you at home, I'm not hearing you say it. I want to hear you say it out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. That is the basic truth of the gospel message. That is the basic truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, right? But there's two really important things I think that we need to pull from this before we go any further. The first one is there's six key words in this verse. You know what they are? God's only son perish eternal life. That's the bulk of this scripture. God's only son perish eternal life. Do you know what happens when you take the first letter from each of those words? You know what it spells? It spells gospel. See folks, this is the gospel message as basic as you possibly can get it. God sent his only son so that we wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. But it gets even better because the second important thing to know is that middle word. 
Most translations have this verse as 25 words. And the 13th word is son. It's the middle word. The middle word is son. And why this is important is because the first 12 words are all about God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, who? His son. And then it's about us afterwards, that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you want to know why this is so cool? Because this paints for us the most beautiful picture of the truth of the gospel. God and man had become separated over time. We had drifted apart from one another because of sin, because of the frailties of our human life and the consequences of our actions. We were pushed apart from each other. And man wanted to get back to God, but no matter how hard man tried, he could never do it on his own powers, on his own will. So what happened? God had to send his son to be a bridge, to be a mediator, to be a connector so that way we could be restored back to him. See folks, so many of us just read John three 16. We've committed it to memory, but we don't even recognize that this is the basic truth of the gospel message. This is the most beautiful picture we have of what God and what Jesus has done for us in our lives. And that's what I want to unpack this morning. I really want to take a look at this to break it into four sections to really help us understand how this verse gives us confidence and assurance that we don't have to be afraid of death as it's all around us right now, but we can rejoice with God in heaven. The first thing that we really need to recognize as we take a look at this is this. We must recognize God's love. We must recognize God's love because that's where it all begins. This scripture, it starts by saying, for God so loved the world. You see, folks, it's not just enough to know it. It's not just enough to, to have it in your head. God wants you to feel it. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to grab a hold of his love that he so freely gives you because the truth is that God created everything so he could love it. The planets, the stars, the seas, the trees, the mountains, every single thing God created, including you and me, so he could have a relationship with us and to love us. And that brings me to my second question I want our live stream host to put into our chat rooms this morning. And the second question, it's going to be a little bit more open-ended, but the question is this, how have you experienced God's love in the midst of your fear? In the midst of this pandemic, how have you felt God showing love to you? It doesn't have to be a long response, but this is really to help us truly grasp the love of God. And I can tell you in my own life, as we've been going through this whole season of this pandemic, there's been times when I have had doubts. There's times when I have worried. I said, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. But because of God's love, he's never once let me falter. He's never once let me stray away. And on top of that, even when I may be worried, even though there may be things going through my head, God still provides for me a comfort, a peace, a love that I don't understand but he does it because he loves me and he knows that it's what I need. He knows it's truly a part of me. And so the question I'm posing to you this morning that I want you to interact with us is how have you felt God's love in the midst of your fear? In the midst of this season of chaos and crisis and pandemic, how have you felt God's love? Because let me tell you this, God's love, it's never left. It's always been there. It's the very foundation of who he is. And as you're taking some time to write that, I want to expand upon that a little bit because it's so prevalent. We truly understand this. 
Because God created everything so he could love it. That's why we're alive. That's why you're sitting on your couches at home or in your chairs, sipping your morning cup of coffee. That's why you can be guaranteed you're going to have your next breath because God loves you. And it's not just some kind of superficial love. It's an amazing type of love. The problem is we don't understand it because we have diluted this word love. We say that we love everything, right? We love hot dogs. We love sports games. We love working from home in the midst of a quarantine, right? We just love all of these things. And that deep value, the deep meaning of the word love has kind of faded away. For instance, I could look at Pastor Alec in the audience and I could say, Alec, I love you, man. And that would be perfectly fine because it's a brotherly, it's a manly type of love. But if I were to go ahead and use the same words that God uses in scripture, it takes a whole different context to say, Alec, I so love you. That becomes creepy. That becomes awkward when we kind of engage that with one another. We don't just go around telling people that we so love them unless you do it in text to someone else by accident right? We all know, we've all been there where you're texting someone that you think is your significant other. And then after you send it, you realize, oops, it went to somebody else. Super awkward situation. But that's not what God does. God wants us to know that he so loves us. An extravagant love, a lavish kind of love, a love that's forgiving, a love that knows no bounds, a love that is always there for us, regardless of what we're going on. God says he so loves the world on our good days and our bad days, when it's raining, when it's shining, when we feel it, when we don't, when we do the right thing and when we do the wrong thing, God's love is still there for us all the time. And it never leaves. We can try to separate ourselves from the love of God, but it never happens because God still chooses to love us every single day because that's who he is. You see, folks, it's not about us. It's not about what we've done in our life. It's about who God is because God is love. Did you catch that? God's love for you isn't determined on who you are. It's all about who he is. And he wants to show you his love. You know, in 1 John 4, it says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See folks, the powerful thing here is this. God didn't just say, I want to tell you that I love you. It's more than just head knowledge. I want you to feel how much I love you. I want you to experience how much I love you. So I'm going to send my son down to die for you. And when Jesus went and he spread out his arms on the cross, he said, this is how much I love you. I love you so much. It hurts. I love you so much. It's literally killing me, but I'm going to do it because you're part of my family because you're my child. You know, in first John three, It says this, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. See folks, we were made in the image of God so that way he could love us. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. He wanted to bring us in as his children into his life and just pour his love out on us. And that is mind boggling to me 
because this all powerful, all amazing creator of the planets, the stars, the universe, the creator of everything that we could possibly ever dream of and more would choose to love me, a sinner, a broken, a frail person and invite me into his family and offer me grace and forgiveness and mercy. And he does the same thing for you because he loves you. So the first thing we need to do is to recognize God's love. If you want to be assured that heaven is real and that you are going to end up in heaven, if you believe in Jesus, the easiest way to recognize that is by starting by understanding God's love because God loves you. He doesn't want to be apart from you. He's going to do whatever it takes as we've seen through the actions of his son to bring us into fellowship with him. That's the truth. That's the basic message here, but that leads us, to the second part. The second important thing we need to know is that we need to receive God's gift. We need to receive God's gift. And it's an amazing gift if we truly start to look at this. Second part of this verse, it doesn't just say, for God so loved the world. What? It says that he gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. Notice it doesn't say that he sent some messenger. He sent some angel. He sent some prophet, some earthly powerful leader. No, it says he sent his son. And not only that, his one and only son, God sent his very best. God, he came down to the earth in the form of human in the name of Jesus Christ to live so that way we could experience eternal life. That way we could be joined in heaven with him. It's so amazing to truly think about this. But why did he have to come to the earth? Why did this have to take place? Well, Romans 3, it goes on to say, out of sheer generosity, God put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. You see folks, in other words, we can't earn this. There's nothing we can do to get this on our own. It's a gift that comes from God, a free gift. Even though we don't deserve it, he gives it to us because he knows we need it. You know what that is? That's grace. Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. Because let's be honest, if we all got what we truly deserve, none of us would be here right now. (laughs) Me included in that, right? But no, God loves us too much. And so he sent his son to restore us back to a place with him because God is love. God is love. If you take a look at that, it's so amazing. But not just that, God is also just. God is fair. And he says, if I'm going to give this offer to you, there's a couple things you need to know. First, That if you violate the law, if you violate my law, there's going to be consequences for it. There's got to be a punishment as a result of it because I have to be just and I have to be fair to every single person. And we know that we all mess up, right? We know that that's the reality. And we all start to look at this. That is the reality of it. But God doesn't leave us there. God doesn't leave us there. And that's going to lead me to my next question. I want our social media host, our live stream host to post this morning. And it's this idea of grace, right? And the question is this, how has God shown grace to you in the midst of your fear? In the midst of this pandemic, how has God shown grace to you? Once again, it doesn't have to be a long answer, but I just want to know where's God shown you grace? Remember, grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. And I can tell you in my own life, there have been times in the midst of COVID-19 where I've said, God, what the heck are you doing? God, I don't understand. And even though I don't deserve an answer, even though I don't deserve for God to speak at all and tell me his plan, he still brings me a sense of peace and comfort because he knows it's what I need. 
He knows it's what I need to get through, to push on to tomorrow. And so the question I'm posing to you is how has God shown you grace in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your pandemic? And while you're writing that, let's unpack that a little bit further about why Jesus really had to come to die. Scripture says, when we were unable to help ourselves at that moment of our need, Christ died for us. See folks, the reality is nobody's perfect. Let's get back to the basics. Nobody is perfect. Not you, not me. When I worked at Disneyland, I came in contact with hundreds of thousands of people in the time that I was there. And I never met a single person who claimed to be perfect because we all mess up. We all make mistakes. We all have our faults and our failures. We all do things that we wish we could do over again to get a redo. And as a result of that, it leaves us in this place where our lives have become destroyed. That we get into a place where we become sinners. Like I said, God is love and not just a God of love, of God of fairness and a just God. And he says, I don't want you to stay in that spot. So what am I going to do? I'm going to send my son down to help you because I want you to be in heaven with me. See folks, the basic truth, the reality is this. Heaven is a perfect place and we, we are not. There is no way that we could get to heaven on our own power. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we could do to get ourselves there. And so God had to think and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to provide a way. And so he sent Jesus down to be able to truly bridge the gap so that we could be brought into eternity with him because that's what he wants for us. That's truly what he wants in our lives. He wants us to be brought into fellowship with him. He doesn't want to be apart from us. He wants to be with us as we go through this life. He doesn't want to be separated from us. And that's why he says that we need to recognize the gift that he's giving to us because we couldn't deserve it on our own. We couldn't get it on our own, but he still freely gives it to us as a way out from the current situation that we find ourselves in. But not only that, the third part is this, to respond to God's offer. We need to respond to God's offer. And it's an incredible offer. What is that offer? Well, it continues on by saying that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. That's an incredible offer. You know, there's over 7,000 promises from God in the Bible. He says, if you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. Do you know who each and every one of those is to? All of us. Doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter your occupation your social status, where you live. No, the only thing that matters is if you have Christ, is if you have Christ in your life. How do we do that? Well, God tells us, he makes it very clear. And he says, look, I will accept you and I will declare you not guilty of any sins or anything that you've done in the past life or anything you're going to do in the future if you're willing to believe that Jesus can cover your sins, that Christ his blood, what he did on the cross has already paved the way. That's what it means, folks. That's the truth. To see the basic truth as we see here is there's no way we could get to heaven by ourselves. The only way is through Jesus Christ and our belief and our trust in him. You know, this is a fascinating Greek word. If you look at the Greek word here that's used for trust, this word really goes on to say to trust and to cling to, to rely on, to hear, to adhere to, right? It's this word pistuo. 
And it means to commit yourself to fully trusting in God. That means you trust him with your finances. You trust him with your health. You trust him with whatever's going on in your life, your relationships, your job, your fears, your worries, that every single part of you trusts in God. Because that's what it means. And that's what God is calling us to, that whomsoever believes in me. But here's the problem. A lot of people know God, about God, but they don't know God. And it's hard to trust somebody that you don't know. And so what we need to be doing right here, right now is building our relationship with God, establishing that trust that we have with him. Because if we begin to truly trust him, to believe that he can save us, this gift becomes more prevalent for us. And the offer that we shall not perish immediately wipes out the sting of death because we know that God loves us and he wants to be with us. And all it takes is believing in him, trusting in him and surrendering our lives over to him. Which brings me to the final thing, the final part of this verse this morning. And it's that we need to rely on God's promise. We need to rely on God's promise. And his promise is that we shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's one heck of a promise. If you really think about it, that's an amazing offer. You know, we were meant to last forever. But due to sin, due to corruption, our bodies became frail. And at some point in time, our physical life here will end. But that's not the end of our story. That's not where God wants to leave us. And he says, if you believe in me, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Because that's the offer I'm extending to you. That's the promise that I'm giving to you. And we can't just go through our lives, just kind of thumbing our nose up at God and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to just kind of do my own thing live my own life and then completely avoid you. And at the end of my life, yeah, I'm going to give you a shot because what do I have to lose this eternal life? That's not how it works. We need to build a relationship right here, right now, because God is offering you a free gift, a gift to never let you go, a gift to love on you. As I close, it makes me think of my relationship with my son, Oliver. Many of you have heard me talking about him, but you haven't seen him in a while. And this is what he looks like today. This picture was taken a couple weeks ago but it makes me think of this image with Oliver. See, Oliver, he loves to be up high places. He's a little daredevil, but the problem is he doesn't have the best of balance. And so when he gets on my shoulders, he starts to wobble a little bit back and forth and he ends up grabbing a hold of my hair, which can be very painful. But as a course of time, I know that my hair is not a good sturdy support for him. So I reach up and I grab a hold of his hands. And I take a look at him and I hold his hands as tight as I can, because I know it's what's going to stabilize him. But eventually over time, as he gets his balance, he starts bouncing and laughing. He starts to wiggle and tries to pull his hands out of my hands. It's almost as if he's saying, I got this dad. I don't need your help anymore, but I don't let go. You know why I don't let go? It's because I know he can't do it on his own yet. I know he isn't strong enough to do it on his own yet. So even though he may want to let go of me, I don't let go of him because I want him to know that my promise to always be there to help him, to give him a sturdy foundation, to love on him and to do what's best for him will always be real and will always be available to him. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. There's a lot of us this morning are saying, I want to commit in God. I want to trust God. So God, I'm reaching out. I'm grabbing a hold of your hand. I'm grabbing a hold of your promise. Don't let me go. And God's reaching out and he's grabbing a hold of you too. But I guarantee you this, There will be times, and maybe it's right now, where you're going to try to let go of God's hands. 
because maybe it's inconvenient. Maybe it doesn't seem like the morally right thing to do with everything that's going on in the world around us. Maybe it's easier to not be a Christian or to not say that we're a Christian than to be a Christian. But the truth is this folks, the basic message that even though we may let go of God, God never lets go of us. He never lets go of us. And that's his promise to us to love us, to give us this free gift, this offer of eternal life, this promise that we will be with him. See folks, we don't need to fear the sting of death because we have one who lives. We have one who provides. We have one who saves, who desperately wants to be with you, not apart from you. And you know what the greatest part about this is? Is there's three benefits to trusting in Jesus, the past, the present, and the future. It says your past has been wiped clean. And in the present, I'm going to give you a purpose. In the future, you're going to have a place to go. You're going to have a home, but it only happens if you trust in me. So what do we do between now and when that time comes? Folks, we simply need to start building our relationship with God. Maybe you're at a point where you've let go of God for too long and you find yourself in this place of sin. God is calling us to wake up. God is calling us as his people to get back to the basics, to repent of our sins to stop living these wayward lives of fear and to commit to him. And so I'm challenging you today to commit to Jesus, to get back to the basics, to get back to God's love because God's love has never stopped for you. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to grab a hold of God's love? Because God cares for you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, God, you are so amazing. God, you are so wonderful. And God, we ask you that right here, right now, Father, that we would learn to trust in you. God, that we would commit to you. God, that we would get back to the basics of the very gospel message that you love us so much that you don't want to be apart from us, Father, and you do whatever it takes to be with us, to bring us to you. So God, I pray that you just transform our hearts this morning. The world that we live in is a very scary place right now. It's so easy for us to get caught up in what's happening and to lose sight of you. Father, I pray that you just open our eyes to see that you've always been there. God, that you've never left us and you never will leave us. And that your love for us never ends. Father, and that we can have confidence because you want us to have confidence that heaven awaits us, that eternal life is available for those who believe. So God, I ask that you just allow our hearts to be transformed this morning. God, that we could truly repent from our ways, repent from our wicked ways, because the scripture says that all who sin fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. We deserve death, Father. But in your grace and your mercy, you've given us life. Let us accept that this morning and start to live our lives anew as we go from here. We love you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen.